0: So, we're in John chapter 1, and we're going to be starting in verse 10. Uh, But just to give you a little bit of context as to what we're talking about, uh, John is, if you go through the first chapter of John, I mean, there's a ton of stuff here. But you know, you recognize right at the beginning it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And so we get this picture of the Word, who is Jesus Christ, and He is God. And so the first part of John is describing Jesus and his interaction with the world and what he does. And so it starts off with the word was with God and the word was God, and then it moves on and starts to talk about Jesus being the light, that he is the light that shines in the darkness, and that his light brings life to all who would trust in him. And so in context of where we're looking at today, Jesus is the light, and apart from Jesus, We are all in darkness. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. You can just shout it out if you know the answer. What is darkness? The absence of light. light. Yes, darkness is quite simply the absence of light. Darkness is not a thing. It's nothing. It's the absence of light. And so, apart from Jesus, the light, we are all in darkness, we get a picture of this in Proverbs chapter four, verse 19, when it says, "The way of the wicked is like darkness, they do not know what makes them stumble." And so apart from Jesus, we're all just tripping in the dark. We can't see the things that we're tripping over, and so we're just stumbling around. That is the plight of those who don't know Jesus Christ. And see, the solution to darkness is always light. And so the solution for the darkness in in our world and in our lives is always Jesus. And so we have the light, and then as it says here in the first part of John, that we have life through that light, through Jesus Christ. And, you know, the the word that's used for life here in John is this word zoe. Zoe, Z-O-E. Uh, and this is, this is actually, I have three kids. My middle one is a, is a little girl. She's five years old, and we named her Zoe because of this word. And when you see this in the scriptures, it's referring to eternal life. But often when we think of eternal life, we think of, well, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. But that's not the picture here. The picture is eternal life that starts right here and now in your heart. Rivers of living water gushing out of your heart. Life. Life. Real meaningful life now. And so the light of Jesus shines on our hearts and gives us life as we believe in Him. But see, even as Christians, as we've received the light and we're no longer tripping over things in the dark, sometimes we can still have dark areas in our lives. We can still deal with darkness in certain areas. Maybe you're here this morning and you are battling an addiction, whether it's alcohol or marijuana or whatever it may be, a food addiction. Maybe you're here this morning and you are dealing with fear in your life, fear about your finances or fear about your relationship or fear about whatever it may be. Maybe you're dealing with bitterness against someone that hurt you deeply and you can't seem to let it go. Maybe the darkness that you're facing is your own insecurity about who you are and how you interact with people, or anger issues that you're battling, or lust. Maybe you're struggling with pornography and a pornography addiction, and you can't seem to get over it. Maybe it's just your your plain selfishness, and you know it, and you can't seem to stop only looking out for yourself. And see, when we talk about Jesus being the light and the light shining in the darkness and that giving us life and the fact that we're no longer tripping in the dark, what do we, how do we reconcile that with the fact that we still battle in these areas? And what do we do about that? Well, we'll get some insight from our scriptures today. We're going to start in verse 10 of 1 of John. If you're going to be in 1 John, you're going to be in the wrong spot. I'm like, what's he saying there? Uh, John chapter 1, verse 10. And it says, he was in the world, speaking of Jesus, and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. See, Jesus was in the world. Jesus is the one that made the world. It was made through him, but his own didn't receive him. We as humans didn't receive him. We were in the darkness and didn't recognize the light. You see, all of creation acknowledged Jesus. The wind obeyed Jesus. The waves, the water held him up as he walked on it. Sicknesses obeyed him. The creation recognized Jesus. I mean, if you remember at the triumphal entry, Jesus is coming in and they're saying, tell your people to stop singing. And he says, if these guys stop, the rocks are going to start singing. All of creation recognized Jesus. But as John Corson put it, There was one segment of creation that received him not, man. Human nature is the only part of nature that refuses to worship God. You see, that is our condition apart from the light. Apart from the light, we're in darkness. We have no light. The light that comes, that life, we don't have it. And we can't recognize who Jesus is and what he's doing. And so the world being dark and not, not recognizing who Jesus is, man, that's dwelling in death because the light brings life, and without the life, we are dead. This is where you and I were before Jesus, in darkness, in death. And see, I think sometimes as Christians, we can kind of get the wrong idea about those who are lost. It's like we're trying to save them from eternal death in the end, and yes, that's the, that's the truth, But the reality is, is those people are dead already. Apart from Jesus, we are dead in our sins. We see this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 in the ESV. It says, And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. See, you were dead apart from Jesus. Your sins and your trespasses have rendered you dead spiritually. Now, I think it's interesting that he uses two words there. He uses the word sins, and then he uses the word trespasses. Why do you think he's using two different words? Um, Well, there's a reason for this. The first word that he uses, sins, is a word that we all recognize. We think of our sin, right? And you may have heard uh, it said that the, the, the English word for sin is actually an archery term. Have you heard that before? Maybe that it's actually, it means to miss the mark. So, you know, you're shooting a bow and arrow and you miss the bullseye. That is sin. Now, any archers in the house? A few. It's been a few at every service so far. I I am an amateur, and I say that with a big capital A archer. And uh, let me tell you, I sin a lot when I'm shooting a bow and arrow. Missing the mark. Missing the mark. That's the idea. You're missing the bullseye, you're off course. It's like you're trying for the right thing, but you miss it, not making the goal that you have. That's the idea behind sin. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, we've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. We've not lived up to what we were created for. We've missed it. But see, that's not the only thing that we've done. This is where people say, well, yeah, nobody's perfect. I mean, of course, nobody's perfect, and... So nobody can be perfect except for Jesus. And so, yeah, we've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. But not only have we sinned, we've also trespassed. Sins and trespasses. We've not only sinned, we've not only missed the mark, we've also trespassed. Trespassing is a willful disobedience. It's seeing the line that's there and it's stepping across it willfully saying, I see that that is the line where I should stop and I'm going to keep going anyways. So we've all sinned, and we've all trespassed. Now, when I was in my uh, early 20s, I was a part of this church plant, and it was a a small church plant, and the pastor organized a men's camping trip. And we went up, and we went camping in the woods, which was a a great time. There was only about six of us that were there, and we were playing paintball. Uh, And paintball can be fun, especially you get on a a bunch of guys in the woods, and they're shooting each other with paintballs. It's a lot of fun. But the pastor uh, had this kind of harebrained, crazy idea. And I still don't know what he was thinking to this day. I'm like, I don't, this is like a bad idea, especially from church leadership. But he's like, oh, I know there's this place not far from here. It's an old, abandoned mining town. It's a ghost town called Gilman. And if you've never heard of Gilman before, it's, it's an old mining town uh, between um, Leadville and Minturn on Highway 24, way up in the mountains. And uh, Gilman was a mining town that was abandoned in the 1960s. And so, as you can imagine, a lot of stuff was built in the 1960s. In fact, most of the houses there were built in the late 50s, early 60s. And so, my house that I live in in Lakewood was built in 1954. And so these houses are actually newer than my home. And so you go into Gilman. It's kind of a weird, it's a crazy thing because you're walking down and there's like a strip mall over here and then there's a fire station with a fire truck in it and uh, it's abandoned. Nobody's there. And, you know, there's a bowling alley. There's a, an indoor basketball court. They have this, um, this uh, medical center there and you walk in and there's chest x-rays laying all over the floor. And like test tubes and stuff. It's really weird. I mean, it's just really weird to walk into this town and go through. So anyways, this pastor's like, hey, let's go play paintball in Gilman, like urban warfare style. So, you know, we're all shooting each other with paintballs inside Gilman. You know, it was was actually a lot of fun. But here's the deal. We're driving up to go there. And we pull up. um, And it's kind of down this hill. And you have to get off on, on Highway 24. And we pull up. And I get out of my car. And I'm like, there's a big sign right there that says, no trespassing. And I'm just thinking, okay, this is probably not a good idea, right? And the pastor's, he's like, he's like, oh, don't worry about it. Let's just park down the street so no one knows we're here. We'll just sneak in and we'll play. And of course, I'm following the pastor's leads. All right, well, I guess we'll go in. So we went in and we played paintball and we had a great time and we got out and we didn't get caught. But imagine if we did. Imagine the news headlines the next day. Church church group gets busted on trespassing and vandalism charges, right? (laughs) That would look good, right? I still don't know what he was thinking. I'm like, what what were you thinking? Looking back, I'm like, there's no way. There's no way we'd be doing that. But that's the idea. You see the line, you see the sign, and you say, I'm going to step across that line anyways. We've all done that. We've all sinned. We've all trespassed. And our sins and our trespasses, as it says in Ephesians, where we just were, have rendered us dead. Dead. Obviously not physically dead, but spiritually dead. See, as humans, we are physical and spiritual beings, but every human that's been born since Adam, aside from Jesus Christ, has been born spiritually dead. Before we are made alive by Christ, we are quite literally the walking dead. A bunch of spiritual zombies walking around. No life. Now, maybe some of you are here today and that describes you. You haven't put your trust in Jesus to be forgiven for your sin, to be given that new life. Maybe that's where you're at. You, you are that spiritual zombie. You are tripping in the darkness and you're not knowing what you're stumbling over and you haven't received the light of Jesus and the life of Jesus. But for the rest of us, maybe you are in the light. Maybe you have received the life that comes from Jesus. Maybe you can see the things that are in front of you, and yet, for some reason, you still have areas in your life that are in the darkness. You still have areas in your life that you're unwilling to give over to the Lord, and you're walking in the dark. You're feeling enslaved by your addiction or by your fear. You're feeling overcome by your bitterness towards that person that hurt you. You're feeling overwhelmed by your insecurities and your self-hatred. You get overwhelmed by your anger issues or you feel like you can't control your lust or your pornography addiction, walking in selfishness as a believer. Well, Wherever you're at today, whether you have not put your trust in Jesus Christ or whether you have and you're still walking in the dark, God has an incredible promise for you today and we see it here in the next couple verses in John chapter 1, verse 12. And it says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God. But, to as many as received him, to as many as have put faith in him, to as many as have accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, of course, we get this in a positional standpoint. We're like, yeah, God adopted us as his child. But see, this isn't just positional. This is practical. You are a child of God. I love when we see the word but in Scripture. Right there, that sentence starts with but. Whenever you see but... Almost all the time, it's followed by something really good. Especially when you see the phrase, but God. But God. I love that phrase. You can apply that to any situation in life. It's like, man, I'm just feeling overwhelmed by all that's going on in my life right now. But God is good. And I can trust him through it. Or man, this person is just, they're they're, they're treating me horribly. I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand why they're doing that. But God is good. And I'm going to trust him in the face of that. So it says, but to as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God. And so we were dead, we were walking in sin, but as we receive him, he's given us the right to become his kids. Now I want you to think about this for a second, because we can like, hear these terms in Christianity and they kind of become trite to us. They kind of become normal to us. And, and you really need to grasp what this is saying. See, before you put your trust in Jesus, not only were you not God's child, not only were you not God's kid, you were God's enemy. Scripture says that before Christ, we are enemies of God. And so you were dead spiritually. Yes, you were tripping in the dark, but you were also an enemy of God by your actions. Your actions spit in the face of God. And so you need to picture that. Like not only did God, it's not like God went to, to uh, you know, an orphanage and saw a bunch of kids that he thought were kind of cute and said, hey, you guys are awesome. Let's, let's make a big happy family together. That's not the picture. The picture is rebels fighting against everything that God is doing and God saying, not only do I forgive you, I'm going to invite you into my family. I'm going to make you my child. You're mine. We get a picture of this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. And it says, But God, there's that phrase again, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to look at this section right here. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. You can look at it later if you want. But it says, but God who is rich in mercy. Listen to all the descriptors in this section. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, so not just sins like missing the mark, but actually like crossing the line, willful disobedience. Even when we were dead in our willful disobedience, he made us alive together with Christ because of his love, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his love toward us in Christ Jesus. Man, God's like lavishing his love and his grace upon his enemies, right? We hear Jesus says, love your enemies. That's exactly what he did. We were his enemies. And he said, I love you so much that I'm going to invite you into my family, and I'm going to adopt you as my kid. And see, as you receive him, and as you become a child of God, he adopts you into his family and the person that you were before no longer exists. You're a new person. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, meaning if you've received him, just like we're talking about here, to as many as have received him who are his children, if, you are, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The old stuff has passed away. It's died. The old stuff was put to death with Jesus on the cross. It's gone. That means that they're dead. They're dead to you. Your addictions have passed away. Your fears have passed away. Your bitterness towards that person has passed away. Your insecurity about who you are has passed away because you find yourself and your identity in Jesus Christ. Your anger issues have passed away. Your lust has passed away. Your pornography addiction has passed away. Your greed has passed away. Your selfishness has passed away. Your failure has passed away. It's dead and it's gone. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have become new. All that stuff's dead, and you don't have to carry it anymore. And we might know that in our head, but for some reason, as Christians, we can still go back to those things. We're walking in the light, we can see it there, and it's like, oh, I cannot seem to get away. And we walk in darkness, whether it's any of that stuff. And I want, to give you, I want to give you just kind of a little bit of a physical illustration because I think sometimes for me it helps me to see something like lived out or acted out to actually visualize it, not just to hear words. And so um, I'm, I brought this chain with me. Okay, and so this, this chain symbolizes your sin, your trespass. It symbolizes your bitterness, your anger, your hatred, your lust, your addiction, Everything, any of that stuff, the darkness that you have in your life. Before Jesus Christ, this is you. You are chained. You're a slave to sin. You're a slave to the law. You're dead and you're an enemy of God. As you receive Him, as it says there in John, He adopts you into His family. He broke the chains on the cross and you no longer have to carry them. He casts the chains aside. You put your faith in Jesus and it says that your sins have been cast as far from you as the east is from the west. I don't believe that that's just positionally and forgiveness. I think that's practically. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you can walk in sinless perfection the rest of your life. Of course, we're going to mess up. Of course, we're going to sin. Of course, we're going to still trespass. But if you are walking in a habit of sin in your life, if you're walking in a habit of bitterness in your life, if you're walking in a habit of fear in your life, if you're walking in a habit of addiction in your life, you are missing what God did for you. You're missing what he wants to do. And this is what you're doing. He's cast your chains as far from you as you can imagine. He's set you free. And this is what you're doing. You're saying, God, I can't seem to get away from this thing. And you're picking it up and carrying it around. And you're like, God, I can't seem to get rid of these chains. And he's like, I already took them away from you. And then maybe he gets them away from you again. And then you're like, okay, I'm free. And then you're like, God, I can't seem to get away from these chains. It's like a magnet drawing you to it. And you keep going back and you keep going back. And you're the one putting yourself back in slavery. And it's like you're crying out, God, deliver me from this. And he's saying, just stop picking them up. I took them away a long time ago. You don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to carry it anymore. You don't have to walk in that anymore. Cast it aside and receive the life that I've given you. Maybe another way to illustrate it would be this. Um, There was a a farmer who walked out of his house one day, and he saw in his field there was an eagle laying on the ground, flapping around, He's like, oh man, that's weird. I wonder what happened. So he goes over to the eagle, and he sees that its wing is broken, and so he, he grabs the eagle and holds it up against his chest so it'll stop flapping. He takes it into his house, and he pulls it out, and he binds up the wing that's broken to help the eagle heal, and he's trying to nurse the eagle back to health, and he's feeding it, and he's caring for it, and you know, um, after a day or so, he realizes, you know, this Bird really should have some fresh air, and so I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take it outside. And so, but he's like, I can't just set it outside because it'll just run off. And so he goes outside and he sets up a pole in the middle of the yard, and he attaches a chain to the pole, and then he attaches the end of that chain to the eagle's leg. And so the eagle, you know, he gets some fresh air, he puts him outside, and the eagle just kind of walks around the pole. He's just kind of going like this, you know. He might try to flap up every once in a while, but the farmer didn't want him to hurt himself, and so he bound him like that. And so he's sitting there, the eagle's just walking in circles around the pole, just kind of going like this, walking in circles, and, you know, just kind of just getting some fresh air. At first it's okay, but then after a while it starts to just run wear a rut into the ground as the eagle's walking. And this took place over a couple of months, you know, as the eagle's wing healed up. The farmer had grown attached to it, and he kind of was like, oh, man, his wing's getting better, but I don't really want to let him go because I like having an eagle for a pet. It's kind of a cool deal. Um, So, you know, he's taking care of the eagle, and then one day he just realizes, you know what, I can't keep this eagle anymore. It needs to be free. It needs to soar. It can't be chained to the ground. So the farmer goes out, picks the eagle up, takes the chain off of his leg, and throws him up into the air to try to get him to fly away. The eagle flaps his wings for a second, flutters down, and then lands and starts walking around the pole again. Just walking in circles around the pole. Because That's all it had known for so long. It had become so accustomed to that pattern of going in this rut that it couldn't imagine that it was actually free. It couldn't grasp the freedom it had received. That eagle wasn't chained. All it had to do was flap its wings and fly off. But he just kept walking around the pole. And see, too often, this is what we as Christians can do. God has delivered us from sin. He's delivered us from fear. He's delivered us from our insecurities. He's delivered us from our bitterness. And he's set us free, and he's throwing you up in the air, and you're like flapping your wings for a second, and then you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. And we land and we start walking in circles around the pole. And we're like, God, deliver me from this. Take these chains away. And he's like, I took the chain off years ago. You just keep walking in the same rut. Stretch out your wings and fly. See, so often we don't take the freedom that we're given in Jesus Christ. He didn't just died to forgive you for your sin. He died to free you from your sin. You don't have to walk in those things any longer. John chapter 8 verse 36 says, therefore if the Son makes you free, you shall be free partially. No, is that not it? Therefore if the Son sets you free, you shall be free if you complete these 12 steps. No, that's not it either. Therefore, if the Son sets you free, you shall be free. What is it? Indeed. Indeed. If the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. That means really free, like actually free. Not like just free in your head, but like literally free. If the Son sets you free, you've been made free. We're like, well, yeah, that doesn't really apply to me because I've got this, 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 this going on. God's just looking at you like, if the sun set you free, you shall be free indeed. Indeed, really? I mean it. <laughs> I mean what I say. We need to, to realize that God means what He says in this book. Sometimes we read it and we kind of like Christianize it and we make it this little thing where it's like, yeah, that's yeah, th- theoretically, we're free. No. God didn't die to theoretically free you. He died to actually free you to set you free from your chains. And so you're no longer a slave to those things. You're no longer bound by those chains. He's cast them away. You're no longer a slave. You are now a child of the living God. You're a son or a daughter of the king. He set you free, and he's adopted you into his family. As to as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Children aren't slaves, they're free. And as a child of God, you get all the benefits that a child of God has. We see some of this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, where it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, this is one of those verses that we read over and we just kind of keep going to the next verse. He has blessed us with every spiritual Okay, yeah, that sounds good. You know, he's kind of blessed us. That's good. I don't think you're getting it. He has past tense blessed past tense us with every spiritual blessing. That means that God has given you every spiritual blessing that is even available already. Past tense, it's at your disposal. Now, I don't want you to get me wrong. I'm not talking about material blessings here. I'm not saying that God has a Mercedes for you sitting outside right now. You're going to walk out the door and be like, I'm going to appropriate that Mercedes by faith. That's not what's going on. Every spiritual blessing, though, every potential blessing you can even imagine in the spiritual realm is already yours. He has blessed. He has, past tense, already done it. It's already yours. You just have to grab hold of it by faith. It's yours. It's there. It's like he invited you into his house and said, Hey, here, anything you want is yours. You know, go break stuff if you want to. You know, the bedroom that's yours, everything's yours. And yet we kind of come in and we're like, acting like the hired help. And God's saying, No, you're my child. I've adopted you into my family. You've received the right to become a child of God. You belong to me. And see, as we read earlier in Galatians, if you're a child, then you are an heir of God, which means that you have an inheritance in God, a heavenly inheritance. Every spiritual blessing, it's yours in Christ Jesus. Paul also says in Ephesians 1, verse 18 through 19, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, Another way might be to say, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be opened, that God would open the eyes of your heart so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. So he's saying saying this. He's not saying, I'm praying that God will give you strength to get through the trial you're facing. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'm praying that God will open your eyes to see the strength he's already given you for the trial you're facing. He's not saying, I pray that God would give you the fortitude to to deal with that person that's just driving you nuts. He's saying, no, I pray that God would open your eyes to understand that he's already given you what you need in that situation. You have every spiritual blessing at your disposal. It's not that you need to pray that God would give it to you. It's that you need to open your eyes so you can see that you have it. That's what Paul's saying. saying, And so then there comes the application point. So what do we do with this? How do we do do that? Well, the reality is you just have to stop living like a slave. Too often we're coming over here and we're grabbing our chains and we're picking them up and we're complaining about them and saying, man, I'm such a slave. God, would you just deliver me from this? And he's like, open your eyes. It's already done. I already cast those chains off. They're not yours anymore. You're free. Stop living like a slave. And start living like a child. He's made you his child. You don't have to carry those chains anymore. And as God's child, you get to treat him like your daddy. That word that we read earlier, Abba. That's like the the first word a little Hebrew child would say when they were born, Abba. That's like, you know, like the, the words for mom and dad are so simple, mama, dada, right? Abba. What it's saying is, we get to call God daddy. We get to go to God like our father and trust him in that. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15 through 16, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So what he's saying is, hey, you didn't receive the Holy Spirit leading you into slavery, like fear. God didn't send Jesus to to tie a yoke of slavery to you and cause you to be in fear. No, you received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters of the king. And by that spirit, we can sit in the presence of God and say, Daddy, Daddy. Look up at our Heavenly Father, knowing that he's given us full run of the house. It's like when I was in high school, you know, whenever somebody's parents would go away, it was like trouble time, right? <laughs> it's like party time at their house. I was a troublemaker in high school. Some of you probably were too. It's like my friend's parents are out of town. Oh, we're going over there, right? Full run of the house. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, we get full run of God's house. We have full access to everything. And it's good. It's good. And so you, as a believer, have been given a new identity in Jesus Christ. You're no longer in darkness. You're no longer a slave to your fear, to your sin, to your bitterness, to your addiction. Those things are gone. It's passed away. You are now a new creation in Jesus Christ. So stop living like a slave and start living like a child of God. Start living like a son of the king. Start living like a daughter of the king. Turn to Jesus and let him lift you out of that stuff. And stop picking up the chains. Stop walking around the pole. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you didn't die just to forgive us, Lord, but to free us. And Father, so much of the time, we're, we're walking back and picking up our chains. We're walking around that pole, just wearing out the rut even further, Lord, when you've set us free you've delivered us from those things and we keep going back to them, Lord. And so we ask your forgiveness for that. We also ask that you would make our eyes to see the freedom that you've bought for us. And Lord, I believe that there are people that are here today that are believers, that, are, that have trusted you, that are saved, that belong to you, but they're still dealing with these areas of darkness in their life, Lord. I believe that there are people that are here today that are dealing with addiction, addiction, whether it's to alcohol or to drugs or to food. And Lord, they're picking up their chains. They're walking around the pole, and you want to set them free. For those that are addicted this morning, Lord, would you speak to them? Lord, I believe that there are those that are here that are picking up their chains of bitterness or picking up their chains of fear and anxiety There are those that are here that are picking up their chains of lust and pornography. Lord, would you help us to see the freedom that you bought for us? And if you're here this morning and that's you and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you belong to him, but you've just been battling against sin and you've been picking up your chains and you've been walking around the pole, I want you to take the next 30 seconds or so, and just between you and the Lord, I want you to take those things and figuratively in your heart and as you pray to him, cast them at his feet and grasp the freedom that he's given you. Just take the next 30 seconds or so and pray to God. Lord, we thank you for the the promise that we've received that if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed, Lord, that you've forgiven us and you've freed us from those chains that bind us. Lord, now I pray for those that are here that have never put their trust in you. I believe that there are those that are here today that have never received your gift of forgiveness, Lord. They're walking in the dark. They're not part of your family, Lord. In fact, if anything, they're an enemy, of you. Lord, for those that are here today that that applies to, would you just draw them right now by your Holy Spirit? Would you speak to their hearts? Would you reveal to them the depths of love that you have for them? That even though their sin and their trespass has separated them from you, Lord, that you love them and you desire to forgive them and restore them and adopt them into your family as your child, And if you're here today and you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ to be forgiven for your sins, to be set free from your sins, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And see, God loves you. Even though you're walking in darkness, even though you're under those chains of sin, He loves you and He died so that He could free you from from those and forgive you and give you eternal life. Jesus took your sin upon the cross took the penalty for your sin, which is death, and died in your place. And so if you're here today and you'd like to put your trust in Jesus, you'd like to be, to know that you belong to God, that you are part of his family, that you're forgiven for your sin, that you're set free, you're a new creation and you're a child of God, would you just stick your hand up in the air? And I want to pray with you if that's you this morning. I see those hands. See that hand over there. Anybody else? Awesome. Awesome. See you in the back of the room. Awesome. Anybody else want to put your faith in Jesus Christ this morning to be adopted into the family of God? Awesome. See that hand too. All right. If that's you, for those of you who raised your hands, I'm going to to give you an opportunity to express your trust in Jesus. And I want to make clear, it's not saying some prayer that saves you. It's what Jesus did on the cross that saves you and your faith placed in what he did. But I'm gonna give you some words that you can use to put your trust in him because I feel like sometimes saying words helps us kind of put legs to our our faith and our beliefs. And so I want you to just repeat after me. Say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I pray that you would forgive me Would you set me free? I want to turn away from my sin and follow you. I don't want to be a slave. I want to be your child. Please make me yours. I believe in what you've done for me, and I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.